0: Chapter 10 of In League with Israel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. In League with Israel by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter 10 The Deaconess's Story. August slipped into September. The vase on Bethany's desk that Mrs. Marion had kept filled with lilies, brightened the room with the glow of the earliest goldenrod. Isn't it pretty, said Jack, drawing a spray through his fingers. It makes me think of your hair, sister. They are both so soft and fuzzy-looking. And like the sunshine, added David, mentally, wishing he dared express his admiration as openly as Jack his desk was at an angle overlooking bethany's and he often studied her face while she worked as he would have studied some rare portrait not so much for the perfect contour and delicacy of colouring as for the soul that shone through it she had seldom spoken to him of spiritual things it was from jack he learned how interested she was in all her church relationships still he felt forcibly an influence that he could not define That silent charm of a consecrated life linked close with a perfect life of the master One day when he was thus idly occupied the janitor tiptoed into the room Ushering a lady past to Bethany's desk David looked up as she passed attracted by her unusual costume It was all black except that there were deep white cuffs rolled back over the sleeves and a large white collar the close-fitting black bonnet was tied under the chin with broad white bows she was a sweet-faced woman with strong capable-looking hands david heard bethany exclaim why josephine bentley as if much surprised to see her then they stood face to face holding each other's hands while they talked in low rapid tones the stranger stayed only a few moments after she passed out david strolled leisurely up to bethany's desk i hope you'll excuse my curiosity miss hallam he said i am interested in the costume of the lady who was here just now i've seen one like it before can you tell me to what order she belongs is it anything like the sisters of charity yes something like it she answered she is a deaconess there is a difference they take no vows of perpetual service to the order but their lives are as entirely consecrated to their work as though they had taken the veil, as the nuns call it this friend of mine who was just here is a visiting deaconess she goes about doing good in the master's own way to rich and poor alike she came in just now to report a case of destitution she had discovered i am chairman of the mercy and help department in our league is that all they do asked david All, repeated Bethany, you should see the deaconess' home on Clark Street. They have a hospital there, and a kitchen garden. It is the work of some of these women to gather in all the poor, neglected girls they can find. They make it so attractive that the poor children are taught to be respectable, little housekeepers, without suspecting that the music and games are really lessons. Homes that could be reached in no other way have some wonderful changes wrought in them. You have so many different organizations in your church said david seems to me i am always hearing of a new one there is an old saying too many cooks spoil the broth did you ever prove the truth of that now that's one beauty of methodism exclaimed bethany the little wheels all fit into the big one like so many cogs and all help each other for instance here is the deaconess work it goes hand in hand with the league only reaching out farther and our motto of lift up for they have an open sesame that unbars all avenues to them Of all hard self-sacrificing lives it seems to me a nurse deaconess has the hardest She goes only into homes unable to pay for such services And whatever there is to do in the way of nursing or of cleansing these poverty-stricken homes she does unflinchingly the reason i asked answered david is that one day last week i went down to that terrible quarter of the city near the lower wharves i wanted to find a man who i knew would be a valuable witness in the dartman murder case i had been told that the only time to find him would be before six o'clock as he was a deckhand on one of the early boats i had been directed to a laundry office in a row of rotten old tenements near the river I found the room used as an office was down in a damp basement it was about half-past five when I reached there I Went down the rickety old stairs and knocked several times You can imagine my surprise when the door was opened by a refined looking woman in just such a costume as your friend wore Except of course the little bonnet When I told her my errand she asked me to step inside a moment the smell of sewer gas almost stifled me at first there was a narrow counter where a few bundles were lying still uncalled for i learned afterward that the laundry had failed and these were left to await claimants there was a calico curtain stretched across the room to form a partition she drew it aside and motioned me to look in there was a table two chairs a gasoline stove and an old bed lying across the foot of the bed as if utterly worn out with weariness and sorrow lay a young girl heavily sleeping a baby only a few months old was lying among the pillows as white and still as if it were dead the woman dropped the curtain with a shudder it is the poor girl's husband you are looking for she said he is a rough drunken fellow and has been away for days nobody knows where the baby is dying i was called here at three o'clock this morning a physician came for me but he said it could not live many hours oh it was awful the cockroaches swarmed all over the floor and the rats were so bad they fairly ran over our feet the poor girl sank in a heavy stupor soon after i came from sheer exhaustion there is nothing to eat in the house and the milk i brought with me for the baby has soured it seems a dreadful thing to say but i dare not leave the baby while she is asleep long enough to get anything on account of the rats Of course, I went out and got the things she needed then there was nothing more I could do she said the wretched poverty of the scene and the woman's bravery have been in my thoughts ever since I Heard of that case yesterday Bethany said when he had finished I know the nurse Belle Carlton The baby died and they took the mother to the Deaconess Hospital She has typhoid fever Belle told me of another experience she had her life is full of them she was sent to a family where drunkenness was the cause of the poverty the man had not had steady work for a year because he was never sober more than a few days at a time they lived in three rooms in the rear basement of a large tenement house bell said when she opened the door of the first room it seemed the most forlorn place she had ever seen there was a table piled full of dirty dishes and a cooking stove covered with ashes On which stood a wash boiler filled with half-washed clothes The floor looked as if it had never known the touch of a broom The odour of the boiling suds was sickening a slatternly half-grown girl one of the neighbors stood beside a leaky tub Washing as best she knew how Four dirty half-starved children were playing on the bare floor Their mother was sick in the next room I couldn't begin to repeat Bell's description of that bedroom. It was so filthy and infested with vermin She said when she saw all that must be done that repulsive creature bathed the dishes washed and the floor scrubbed a Great loathing came over her She felt that she could not possibly touch a thing in that room She wanted to turn and run away from it all I Said to her Oh Bell How could you force yourself to do such repulsive things what did she say exclaimed herschel bethany's face reflected some of the tenderness that must have shone in Belle carlton's as she repeated her answer softly for Jesus' sake there was a long pause which herschel broke by saying and she stayed there i suppose forced her shrinking hands to contact with what she despised did the most menial services from a sense of duty to a man whom she had never seen who died centuries ago Miss Hallam, how could she? I find it very hard to understand. No, not from a sense of duty, corrected Bethany, so much as love. Well, for love, then, what was there in this man of Nazareth to inspire such devotion after such a lapse of time? I understand how one might admire his ethical teaching, how one might even try to embody his precepts in a code to live by but how can he inspire such sublime annihilation of self surpasses my comprehension he was no greater lawgiver than moses yet who makes such sacrifices for the love of moses peter suffered martyrdom and paul yet who is ready to lay down his life cheerfully and say i do it for the sake of peter or paul mr herschel said bethany looking up at him wistfully don't you see that it is no mere man who exercises such power that he must be what he claimed one with the father cragmore's passionate exclamation that day on the train came back to him oh my friend if you could only see my saviour as he has been revealed to me then he seemed to hear lessing's voice as they paced back and forth in front of the tent arm in arm in the darkness of a truth you cannot understand these things unless you be born again be born to the spirit into a realm of spiritual knowledge you have never yet dreamed of winged life is latent in the worm even while it has no conception of any existence higher than the cabbage leaf it crawls upon But how is it possible for it to conceive of flight until it has passed through some change that bursts the chrysalis and provides the wings? The silence was growing oppressive David shook his head rose and slowly walked out of the room Sister said Jack a few days after as she wheeled him homeward from the office at noontime Mr.. Herschel keeps teasing me all the time about something. I said once about preaching to the Jews He brings it up so often that if he doesn't look out. I'll begin on him sure enough Whatever answer bethany might have made was interrupted by miss caroline who met them as they turned a corner Do tell she exclaimed in surprise you were in my mind just this minute. I wondered if I might not chance to meet you Where have you been aunt Carrie asked Jack seeing that she carried several small parcels? Shopping she said just think of it Caroline Courtney actually out shopping in the dry-goods stores What's the occasion asked bethany it must be something important I can't remember that you have done such a thing before since I have known you have you been invited to a ball a wedding or a wake Miss Caroline beamed on them through her spectacles Really my dear that is just what I would like to know myself That's why I had to make these purchases your cousin ray came in this morning just after you had gone to invite us all to go to her house at half-past six this evening she wouldn't tell us what sort of an occasion she was planning only that it was a surprise for everybody mr marion most of all he has been gone a week on a business trip but he will get home tonight at six sister and i have been trying to think what kind of an occasion it could be i know it isn't their wedding anniversary nor her birthday maybe it is his so you see we couldn't decide just how we ought to dress whether to wear our very best dove-coloured silks and point lace or the black crepe dresses we have had two seasons sister absolutely refuses to carry her elegant fan that she got in brussels although i want very much to take mine especially if we wear the grey dresses my second best is broken and of course we wouldn't want to carry a palm leaf there was no other way but to take the second best fan down and match it then she had lost one of the bows of ribbon that was on her gray dress and i had to match that in case we decided to wear the grays here i have spent the whole morning over my fan and her ribbons dear me said jack why don't you carry your brussels fan and wear your gray dress and let her wear her black dress and take the kind of fan she wanted oh my child exclaimed miss caroline neither of us would have taken a mite of comfort so you don't understand how it feels when there are two of you when you have spent well a great many years in having things alike you don't feel comfortable unless you are in pairs it was arranged that jack should not go back to the office that afternoon the sisters volunteered to take him with them bethany hurried through her work but it seemed to her that she had never had so many interruptions or so much to do it was after six when she closed her desk mr edmonds noticed the tired look on her flushed face and said miss hallam my carriage is waiting downstairs i have to stay here some time longer to meet a man who is late in keeping his engagement jerry may as well take you home while he is waiting he went down on the elevator with her and handed her into the carriage better stay out in the fresh air a little before you start home he said kindly it will do you good bethany sank back gratefully among the cushions jerry had been her father's coachman at one time he grinned from ear to ear as she took her seat we'll take a spin along the river roads she said give me a glimpse of the fields and the goldenrod and then take me to mrs marion's on phillips avenue yes miss said jerry touching his hat i know all the roads you like best the impatient horses needed no urging they fairly flew down the beaten track that led from the noisy bouldered streets into the grassy byways on they went past suburban orchards and outlying pastures to the sights and sounds of the real country bethany heard the slow restful tinkle of bells in a quiet lane where the cows stood softly lowing at the bars she heard the coo of doves in the distance and the call of a quail in a brown stubble near by then the wind swept up from the river now turning red in the sunset it put new life into her pulses and new light in her eyes the weariness was all gone the wind had blown the light curly hair about her face and she put up her hands to smooth it back as they came in sight of mrs marion's house it doesn't make any difference she thought i can run up into cousin ray's room and put myself in order before anyone sees me As the carriage stopped, someone stepped up quickly to assist her alight. It was David Herschel. Of all times, she thought, when I am literally blown to pieces. How queerly things do happen in this world! To her still greater wonderment, instead of closing the gate after her and going on down the street, he followed her up the steps. Cousin Ray said this was to be a surprise, she thought. This must be part of it. Miss Harriet and Miss Caroline had just smoothed their plumage in the guest chamber and were coming down the stairs hand in hand as David and Bethany entered the reception hall. This was their first glimpse of David. They had been very curious to see him. Jack had talked about him so much that they recognized him instantly from his description. Miss Caroline squeezed Miss Harriet's hand and said in a dramatic whisper, Sister, the surprise! Look at Bethany! remarked miss harriet how unusually bright she looks and yet a little flushed and confused i wonder if he has been saying anything to her they came in together puff puffed miss caroline then they both moved forward with their most beaming company smile as jack called it to meet mr herschel come in here said mrs marion leading the way to the drawing-room while bethany made her escape upstairs mrs courtney Allow me to introduce Mrs. Dameron. Sally Atwater fairly shrieked Miss Caroline and Miss Harriet in chorus as a tall, thin woman with gray hair and sharp, twinkling eyes rose to meet them. Sally Atwater, for the land's sake, how did you ever happen to get here? It's an old school friend of theirs, explained mrs marion to david as the twins stood on tiptoe to grasp her around the neck and kiss her repeatedly between their exclamations of joyful surprise they haven't seen her since they were married i'll present you and then we'll leave them to have a good old gossip during the introductions in the drawing-room mr marion came into the hall with his gripsack in his hand why hello jack he called cheerily how are you my boy i'm so glad to see you he hung up his hat and went forward to clap him on the shoulder and hold the little hands lovingly in his big strong ones while he still sat on the arm of jack's chair there was a sudden parting of the portieres behind them a swift rustle and two white hands met over his eyes and blindfolded him oh oh cried jack ecstatically and then clapped his hand over his mouth as he heard a warning it's ray of course said mr marion laughing and reaching backwards to seize whoever had blindfolded him nobody else would take such liberties oh wouldn't they cried a mocking voice what about ray's younger sister he turned around and catching her by the shoulders held her out in front of him well lois denning he exclaimed in amazement when did you get here little sister i never imagined you were within two hundred miles of this place neither did ray until this morning i just walked in unannounced when he had given her a hearty welcome she said oh i'm not the only one to surprise you just go in the other room brother frank and see who all's there while i talk with this young man i haven't seen for a year lois denning had been jack's favorite cousin since he was old enough to fasten his baby fingers in her long brown hair in her yearly visits to her sister She had devoted so much of her time to him and been such a willing slave That he looked forward to her coming even a shade more eagerly than he watched for Christmas There was one thing that remained longest in the memory of every guest who had ever enjoyed the hospitality of the Marion home It was the warm welcome that made itself continually felt It met them even in the free swing of the wide front door that seemed to say just walk right in now and make yourself at home there was an atmosphere of genial comfort and cheer that cast its spell on all who strayed over its inviting threshold it made them long to linger and loathe to leave david herschel was quick to appreciate the warm cordiality of his greeting he had not been in the house five minutes until he felt himself on the familiar footing of an old friend at first he wondered at the strange assortment of guests and thought it queer he had been asked to meet the elderly twins and their old friend who were so absorbed in each other then mrs marion brought in her sister lois denning a slim graceful girl in a white duck suit with a red carnation in the lapel of the jaunty jacket she was a lively outspoken girl decided in her opinions and original in her remarks that red carnation just suits her said david to himself as they talked together She's so bright and spicy Isn't it time for dinner Ray asked mr. Marion anxiously it's getting dark, and I'm as hungry as a schoolboy You and your guests will think you are as impatient as one she answered laughingly We must wait a few minutes longer. Mr. Cragmore hasn't come yet Cragmore cried mr. Marion starting to his feet Oh dear exclaimed his wife. I didn't intend to tell you he was coming i knew you hadn't seen the report from conference yet and i wanted to surprise you he has been sent to the clark street church i met him coming up from the depot this morning and asked him to dine with us tonight. now i do wish i were a schoolboy exclaimed mr marion so that i might give vent to my delight as i used to i remember how lied you could whoop when you were two feet six remarked mrs i should not care to risk hearing you now that you are six feet two there was a quick ring at the front door and the next instant frank marian and george cragmore were shaking hands as though they could never stop i'm going to see if they fall on each other's necks and weep a la joseph and his brethren said lois tiptoeing towards the hall i've heard so much about george cragmore that i feel that i'm about to be presented to a whole circus menagerie and all and how are ye mistress marian they heard his musical voice say will you mind that now commented lois in an undertone how's that for a touch of the rail old brogue he was introduced to the old ladies first then to the saucy lois and jack then he caught sight of herschel they met with mutual pleasure and were about cordially to renew their acquaintance begun that day on the car when cragmore glanced across the room and saw bethany Both Lois and David noticed the way his face lighted up and the eagerness with which he went forward to speak to her That evening was the beginning of several things the hebrew class was organized Mr.. Marion had found only two of his teachers willing to undertake the work But Lois cheerfully allowed herself to be substituted for the third one he had been so sure would join them I'll not be here more than long enough to get a good start she said but i'm in for anything that's going hebrew or hopscotch Whichever it happens to be The twins declined to take any part i know it is beyond us sighed miss harriet the latin Conjugations were always such a terror to me and sister never did get her bearings in the german genders When it came time for the merry party to break up Frank Marion could not listen to any good nights from Cragmore you're not going away that's the end of it he declared i'll walk down with you to the hotel and have your trunk sent up you're to stay here until you get a boarding place to suit you i wouldn't let you go then if i did not know it was essential for you to live nearer your congregation mr marion walked on ahead pushing jack's chair with miss caroline on one side and miss harriet on the other bethany followed with george cragmore there was a brilliant moonlight and they walked slowly Enjoying to the utmost the rare beauty of the night Come in a moment George called mr. Marion as he wheeled Jack up the steps. I want to finish spinning this yarn They all went into the hall Bethany opened the door into the library and struck a match Cragmore took it from her and lighted the gas but mr. Marion still stood in the hall with his attentive audience of three I'll be through in a moment. He called the sisters dropped down on a large double rocker you might as well sit down too, Mr. Cragmore, said Bethany. His minute may prove to be elastic. Cragmore looked around the home like old room and then down at the fair haired woman at his side. Not tonight, thank you, he responded. But I should like to come some other time. Yes, I think I should like to come here very often, Miss Hallam. The admiration in his eyes and the tone made the remark so very personal that Bethany was slightly annoyed oh our lad string is always out to the clergy she said lightly and then led the way back to the hall to join the others chapter ten